Only Three Lads is a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast family, home to some of the best music podcasts on the planet. Visit PantheonPodcast.com to discover more. And if you like what we do on O3L, we kindly ask you to please take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the show on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on right now. It really helps us more than you know. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to Only Three Lads. This week, we're heading to the heartland of the U.S. to talk about some of our favorite Midwestern bands of the classic alternative era with special guest Jeff Murphy from Shoes. This is the second part where we get into our lists. If you haven't already, check out part one with our extensive conversation with Jeff that covers topics from the history of shoes to the state of the industry. If this is your first time joining us, O3L is a music commentary podcast, and we are not directly affiliated with any of the artists or labels featured on the show. Any music clips are presented for review, analysis, education, news reporting, or the non-monetized promotion of the musicians we love. As always, support the artists and go out and buy some records or merch. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy part two of Only Three Lads, episode 132. With Jeff Murphy from Shoes, part two. All right. Are we ready to get into lists, Greg? Well, we already did. Remember, at number five for you were well, I, Shoes. Yes. Yes. I, I picked Shoes as number five, although, you know, that's because it's an introduction. Well, thank you. Probably my number two. You want to give us your number five, Jeff? I don't know that I ranked them. Can I say Big Star? Sure. sure. Can I, say, I mean, they're, like I say, Memphis is kind of almost Midwest, right? Not according to the Census Bureau, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, we know how screwed up they are. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, I, I would certainly say put them in there. Yeah. All right. Big star. Big star. Hey, I'll take it. I'm such a big, big star fan that any mention of big star on this podcast is very welcome. Okay. Greg, what did you have? Well, at number five for me, kicking off my list of the top five Midwest bands is one I remember from my alternative radio days. But recently, I've been reading Jeff Tweedy's book, How to Write One Song. It's on the desk back there. You probably right back there. Hey, it's a great book. Well, there you go. I'm not a paid endorser. Great book. I I definitely uh, say that you uh, should. I I have it on audiobook, and so that way I can drive and and listen to it that way. You're not one of those readers, are you? Uh, why Why are you reading for, man? We got TV and we got <laughs> yes. audio. What the yeah. heck? 
Um, but I've always uh, loved Wilco. I've been diving more into them since I started reading Jeff's book uh, and talk about just like with shoes, the band Wilco, talk about an artistic backbone. If you don't know the story, the band singer and songwriter Jeff Tweedy, he bought the band out of the record contract. He streamed their album, came out in 2001, I believe, Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. Again, his vision triumphed over the suits, something we have learned a lot about on this podcast today. Don't listen to businessmen. We need them. It's the record business. But when it comes to anything artistic, just keep on shoving, I don't know, shrimp in their mouth. Just tell them to shut the hell up. I remember, gosh, uh, what was the album? Um, Being There, I think it came out in 96. And I'm kind of a Homer Jeff, so they had a song, Hotel Arizona, on there too. So I think that's a cool little song. But Wilco, number five for me. Cool. Great pick. Brett, what do you got for four? All right, number four for me. So I'm going to hop over to Lawrence, Kansas, for a band featuring a songwriter and guitarist who was also a previous O3L guest, Bill Goffrier. So the band, of course, is The Embarrassment. The Ambos were active from 1979 to 1983, and then they had a reunion album in 1990, and they've had occasional live gigs since. But they're also now the subject of a documentary, I think it just premiered a couple weeks ago, called We Were Famous, You Don't Remember, which is a fantastic name. (laughs) They jokingly dubbed their music as blister pop in an off-the-cuff comment to the media, but it's a description that kind of stuck with the band, and it actually makes total sense because when you hear their music it's nervy it's nerdy it's witty and literate it's like a blister that festers until its eventual pop probably their closest sonic contemporaries that i can think of would be like the feelies but uh just try blasting sex drive in your car while driving down the highway at a fast but sensible speed kids and you'll see what i mean The embarrassment were in the middle of the country, far away from the showbiz epicenters of L.A. or New York. So they kind of had to create their own scene around the Wichita, Kansas area, along with bands like Get Smart and the Mortal Micronauts, proving that it was possible to make an impact on their own terms and without compromise. So we talked about Robert Criscow. He called the embarrassment the great lost American band. And then there was a uh, Midwest fanzine called Capital Punishment that declared them quite possibly the best band in America. So this week, the embarrassment lands at number four on my list of Midwestern bands. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I see. You get educated here. Exactly. That's the wonderful thing about this. That's what Brett does for us. Yeah. You know, I was thinking about this uh, since our last email, uh, and I thought a lot of bands that I've I like, I don't know where they're from. I don't. I because, like I said, I just judge them musically. I don't know. The backlog, but I love, I've just finished a Neil Young book, and one of the early influences on us, who is still making music, is Nils Lofgren, a Chicago boy. Oh, yeah. In that book, they talk about the fact that he, in when he was very young, I want to say he was, uh, Nils Lofgren was 16 or so, decided he wanted to play with Neil Young, drove out there, walked from the airport to Neil Young's house, and said, I want to play on your album. And Neil Young said, well, come back in 
a month or three weeks or whatever. And he plays keyboards on After the Gold Rush. Nils Lofgren also put a, had a band called Grin, mm -hmm. which came out in, I want to say that came out in 70. And now, of course, he plays in Springsteen's band. So that kind of makes him contemporary. I mean, he's been making music for the last 50 years. Yeah. But I love there's a Midwestern connection within that. He passes through that time frame that you mentioned. <laughs> and he does. And still and still continues to do stuff on his own. And he and he plays all these different instruments. I think that's really cool. Was huge influence on us. Even though Springsteen, of course, is a New York thing. I, I think it's cool that, that Niels has a tie to the Midwest. So he's he's on my list. All right. Very cool. And he played with Ringo. That was the first yes. time I saw Niels. He doesn't use a pick, you know. He, uh, plays with his fingers and, mm -hmm. and amazing the things that he's able to do. He used to do this thing on stage where he would hit a little trampoline, he would jump on the trampoline, do backflip. <laughs> Just like shoes. Yeah. Don't try this at home, kids. <laughs> no, no, no. So, Greg, what's your number four? It's actually you. You are the meat in the middle. That's the honorary no. position we put our honorary third lads in. It's better than being cheese. Yes. In the sandwich, you know, let's say movie to me. Was Nils your number four? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay, okay, okay. Well, Landing at Four is one band that really excites me. And that being said, I've never seen them live, and I'm surprised. But with songs like Honky's Ladder, Gentleman, Debonair, of course, you got to love the Afghan wigs. Uh -huh. Out of Cincinnati, of course, uh, my first band, Wilco, out of Chicago. So Midwestern band. I remember uh, 1993's Gentleman and 1996 Black Love, those two albums were on heavy rotation on my personal CD playlist. Their CDs littered the floor of my car for quite a long time. And uh, of course, a lot of the songwriting with that Greg Gully, I believe how you pronounce his name, really yeah. innovative to me. You know, they're out on tour right now, so hopefully they'll come through Phoenix at some point. Rolling Stone was just talking about an agro art rock or alternative rock guy. So I connect with that, by the way. And so uh, Afghan Wigs, number four for me. I can imagine Afghan Wigs being a very Uncle Greg band. Yeah, I really love that Because that's band. the kind of music that really makes you want to break things. Mm -hmm. And that's one of, my, one of my major ways I find that I like music. If it makes me want to break and uh, have, um, I, what's the word? I guess would be unmoral sex with uh, women. <laughs> yes. What's that word again? Yeah. So I like that's not at the top of your mind at all times, Greg. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Now, <laughs> if it makes you want to drink, break things and eat, well, then there you go. That's a great song. <laughs> and as, oh. as the guys in Fountains of Waiting would say, and blame it on a guy you don't know. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. <laughs> all right. Hey, speaking of breaks, let's break. Yeah, I was going to say episode 132, the Only Three Lads <laughs> podcast. Thanks for sticking around with us. And thanks for being a part of this community. Please get to our Facebook page. Don't forget, we have T-shirts there, too. And people all around the world have been seeing them. Um, but if you do get there, make sure and like our page. And whenever we post anything, if you could please share it, we would like to build this audience and our list of our top five midwestern bands continues after this i'm bill goffrier from you know the embarrassment and big dipper and you're listening to the only three lads podcast
And now from Shoes 1977 DIY bona fide classic, Black Vinyl Shoes, and written by Jeff Murphy, here's Do You Want to Get Lucky? To which we say, well, do you, punk? Find Shoes Music at ShoesWire.com or wherever you get music. We are back. Thank you for sticking around. Usually, you know, all the information and all the advice that we got with the Only Three Lads podcast was keep it 45 minutes. Oops. We have blasted that out of the water this evening. Pasha. Pasha. Oopsie. No, no, no. We break rules all the time. Yeah. Rules. Yeah. We. I don't even know if we know what those are. We don't, we don't believe in them. Yeah. We, well, we tried. We did make 45 minutes one time. Once. Once. <laughs> And yeah. so, but it's, but now that we have guests like you, Jeff, it's way more interesting. And we get, we go down the rabbit hole listening to what you're telling us and what we're learning. And so it's a lot of fun. I could listen to you all day, Jeff. Oh, well, thank you. Put on a record. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll put on a record too. Put it on repeat and you can keep listening. Well, we're talking about our top five Midwestern bands and we're at number three with you, Brett. 
We are at number three. Okay. And one thing I didn't mention, because you know how I talk about breaking rules, but I create all these rules for myself when I'm putting together lists. I had to make sure that I represented a different state with each of my picks this week. Mm. So my number three, I'm going to Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And I know the most obvious choice for a Milwaukee band is probably Violent Femmes. I love Violent Femmes, but I'm going to probably offer an unpopular opinion that uh, their discography contains one perfect album and enough great songs off of spotty albums to make a pretty good compilation. So instead, from the land of happy days and a whole lot of beer, I'm going to go with an 80s garage band called Plastic Land. The Midwest has had its share of great garage bands, of course, from the Shadows of Night to the White Stripes. But Plastic Land was a bit different in that they favored UK Freak Beat and the acid-fried psych of early Pink Floyd and SF Sorrow era Pretty Things over Primal Garage Stomp. I became familiar with Plastic Land through the 1994 Vox Records compilation called Battle of the Garages, which contained their 1981 B-side, Office Skills. So this song was a short, odd little song about a female secretary with phase vocals and backwards guitars and I was absolutely hooked so I had to seek out the rest of their catalog. After a few singles and EPs that continued to mine the same psychedelic vein, their 1984 album Color Appreciation, or it was just self-titled in the U.S. and on beautiful pink vinyl, by the way. It's a monster that's often in the same league as the bands they were inspired by. It recaptures that precious transitional time in the 60s when uh, bands were expanding minds, but they hadn't yet succumbed to hippy-dippiness. If their other two albums in the 80s, 1985's Wonder, Wonderful, Wonderland, I think I got that right, and 1987's Salon aren't quite up to the same standard as their debut, it's more of an indication of how amazing the debut album is, more so than a slam on the other two. But if psych-drenched garage rock is your thing, check out Plastic Land. So that's my number three. Hey, there you go. Wow, you're digging deep. I have a tendency to do that. Yeah, it's what he does. He gives us homework. Part of what influences me is is not always the actual music itself. It's the attitude. It's the approach. And if, if I know the people, I feel bad touting them because I feel like, you know, it's, it's nepotistic if I do that. But the guys in Spooner, which became Firetown, which became Garbage, I respect what they do so much. The fact that they have managed to, to morph through three distinctly different manifestations of their musical careers and garbage is one of those bands that fascinates me because they're very dense they're very into production obviously butch is maybe the definitive rock producer of the 90s and and beyond that has has such an influence on us and like i said we had worked that with them in their early stages when when it was spooner butch and and doug from all three of those bands said you know we were with Atlantic and it was such a drag working with the producers and what we want to do like you guys are doing, producing ourselves. So we kind of worked with them and they built a studio in Madison called Smart Studios. And um, it looked quite a bit like our studio because of the fact that we sold them the remnants of, of our construction materials. <laughs> and, and Gary helped design it. Gary had gone to architecture school, like I said. And Butch would always have these really interesting bands that he was working with because he was in a college town. 
And again, aesthetically, the, 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 the bands Spooner and Firetown and Garbage are three really different facets musically, but always interesting, always fascinating to me. And for that reason, they're on my list there is number three, is, is influential, so influential. Great pick. Fantastic. I, I know garbage. I'm not familiar with Spooner, so I'm going to have some digging back. Spooner, Spooner was origi- the original band that Butch and, and Doug, or Duke Erickson, was in together. And like I said, we worked with them on some of those real early, and I'm talking, this is probably 1977, maybe 78. And then they, they did a, another project called Firetown, which they, they signed with Atlantic, and they had a couple of albums on uh, Firetown, which Gary produced one of those. And then the garbage stuff, I mean, we were over at their studio and it was before they hooked up with Shirley and they said, yeah, we've got these tracks that we just do when, the, when there's no time book. That we just call it garbage because, you know, it's just it's garbage. Screwing around. <laughs> and, then, and then they saw Shirley on a video for, I think she was in a band called Angelfish. Yes. Yeah. And they, they were like, we should get her and, and see what she can do on these. So they flew her in, gave her a microphone and, and that was it. I love that whole musically, a, a couple other bands that are not, necessarily midwestern like the black keys or like we met you did mention the white stripes but jack yeah. white even musically is irrelevant to me is the fact that the way they're going about what they're doing is so fascinating to me the fact that jack white has got this plant in, in michigan you know or in detroit now where you you know uh what is it third man records third man yeah and, and he's got a pressing plant i think I, i'm just so influenced by that i love that do-it-yourself thing or the black keys came from bomb records really i mean you know greg shaw's label which is now it's called um, a live natural sound or something like that the mu- music of course you you, you know you're, you're a fan of the music but then the, the whole aesthetic of how it's done um like i said like the whole billy eilish thing and i know she's not from the midwest but i respect that whole do-it-yourself thing so much yeah i loved going to third man records i went to the one in nashville where they have the recording booth in there where you can cut your own record yeah. where neil young did uh i think it was a letter to home i think was the name of the album cut in that booth wow that's very cool yeah all right time for my number three yes sir pure american power pop jeff you probably had a hand in the reason why i'm picking this band because the international pop overthrow festival keeps the legacy of of course material issue alive i remember spinning valerie loves me on the air if you go to a club and play that song today especially there's a few clubs around phoenix where they have alternative nights and i go and if they spin this song everybody's screaming valerie loves me and of course they had kim the waitress the songs that you did i mean the songs were manic but rich dense you were just talking about that great power pop tunes And one of the stories I have with Jim Ellison is um, this probably was 95. It was right around there, but he did a show for us. And you guys remember Danielle, Danielle Bouisbois? Oh, yeah, I remember the name. She was the little girl on uh, Archie Bunker's place, I think the sitcom was called. It was after. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, so she, and then in the 90s, she had a song come out or an EP or something, and we were playing it, and it was not bad. I remember, I can't remember anything about it, but I do remember that it, it was popular. 
And so we had that came out and we were doing at this place. It was called the electric ballroom. And um, basically I remember watching him trying to hit on her and it was working. It was working. He was doing a good job. He was hitting the ball out of the park, man. And, uh, and then he, he, he broke a light over the pool table. There was a little upsetness about it, but then it was just the light bulb. No one really cared. And, uh, but that's my story with uh, material issue and Jim Ellison, but great band. I still listen to that song and listen to those albums, especially international pop overthrow. What a great, great album that was. And um, so that number three material issue. Um, you, you, you'll have to see that documentary. Yeah, no, totally. I'm totally excited about that. I already wrote that down. Unfortunately, when we did the first two albums, it was before cell phone cameras and the whole digital thing so there's very little footage or documentation of us and we were just doing demos they come in yeah. and work you know i mean that was the first album the, so the, the the documentary focuses on the third record which is the one you know they, they didn't do well and they lost the, their deal and got dropped they did that one with uh, michael chapman they talk about how uh, oh man it was party time all the time when we're doing working with my chapman and you know there's always a bottle of vodka in the fridge and all these people are stopping by and i thought well and then what happened yeah when i work with them they were paying for it themselves out of their own pocket at least on the first album so they wouldn't have been really keen if i had said hey, hey party let's go yeah, exactly. you know i mean it was like they came in and, and i remember we did one song on on international pop called the letter and we did it in four hours and Jim didn't have the money or the tape to record on. And we had rental tape reels where 24 to two inch reel of tape was 200 bucks. So we would rent a reel for, for 20 bucks, but you had to finish it in that session and mix it down into stereo because then the tape would get erased and reused for the yeah. next person that just wanted to come in and do a rental thing. So Jim didn't even own, he just rented the tape and we did this letter in a four hour session. And we couldn't remix it. Then when the label came along, they said, anything you want to go back and fix in any of these songs? I said, nope. Nope. (laughs) All you got is that two-track mix down. That's all that exists because the master tape got erased for, you know, Donnie and the Ding Dongs that came in and ran the tape last week, you know. And again, I love the fact that Jim was doing the same mindset that we had 15 years later. He's recording stuff on his own. He's releasing on his own label. He had this label called Big Block Records. And it worked. He got signed to Polygram. It did. This. It worked all over again. Again, I'm so influenced by when I see people doing things themselves. I love that. Kudos to you for choosing them in your top five. Had to. Love them. Yes. Kudos, Gregory. My number two. So now I am moving over to Detroit. Okay. Now we, of course, know that Detroit is a very important stop on the musical map. If it began and ended with Motown, that would have been enough. But then there's also the Detroit musicians who add an indelible impact on the music that we talk about on this show. And I'm thinking of, of course, the Stooges, MC5, Alice Cooper, Susie Quattro, Bob Seger. If you have not heard Bob Seger's 60s and early 70s records, they're essential. Please do so. Mm -hmm. But there's another band from Detroit who was as revolutionary as any of those but I've never really been able to put them on any of my lists before because they released exactly one single during the era we talk about in 1976. But since we're talking about bands and not albums or songs, I'm going to pick the band Death as my number two Midwestern band. So Death consisted of three African-American brothers, Bobby, David and Dennis Hackney. And we've been talking about a few music documentaries. There's a great documentary on this band called, it's actually called a band called Death. 
So there you go. They grew up under the Beatles spell just like everybody else did. Then when they became musicians, they formed a very accomplished funk band called Rockfire Funk Express. Then they saw Alice Cooper and The Who and they decided we're changing our course. We are getting into rock and roll. So the recordings they made from 1974 to 1976 are just absolutely astonishing, pulverizing hard rock that can lay as much claim as being the first punk records as anybody else out there. They did things that nobody else were doing simply because they didn't listen to anybody. They didn't <laughs> allow anybody to tell them what to do. Sounds like a lot of what uh, what Shoes was doing. But in an era where there was still a fair amount of musical segregation, black kids weren't supposed to be playing this kind of fast and furious rock and roll. But you know what? They did. Record impresario Clive Davis was actually the one who funded their first recordings on the condition that they changed their name from death to something a little more commercially viable. And they refused. So Clive Davis said, all right, well, I'm out of here. Wow. So they never were able to have their day in their time, just that one single release. They disbanded in 1977, a label called Drag City in 2009. They started releasing all these recordings. So they've released three archival albums of death recordings. And then in the early 80s, they actually did release a couple of records. They went gospel, but it's not gospel like you're thinking. It's like funk rock gospel. And they called uh, that project the fourth movement. So that's also very highly recommended. Definitely death is highly recommended. One of our listeners, Julio Santos, friend of the show. I know he's been clamoring for death to make one of our lists. So it's finally time this week. So there number two. Death. Oh, great. Wow. Yeah. And congrats, Julio. You got it. Congrats. Yeah. You got, you got what you wanted. You got your way this time, Julio. All right. Well, um, I guess, and again, this is, uh, I've already trotted this ground, but I'm going to bring it up as my number two is Matthew Sweet. I really like so many aspects of what he did. Before he clicked with the Girlfriend album, he had an album called Earth that was also really really good i mean he's just really consistent over the years with his output his, all the things he does with susanna hoffs with the under the covers oh yeah i love when he does all the tracks himself in his demos which in some cases i remember he played us um time capsule before he, he was going in the studio and we were like oh man that that is such a great song really love time capsule and when he did his tour in 1988 he rented our studio in Zion, and that was his home base. So oh, cool. he was rehearsing in the studio, and then he'd go out and do a show, and then he'd come back and they'd rehearse, and he was just staying in Zion. His approach has always been, even before we met him and knew him, I've always admired his approach and his music, musical um, output. Like I said, it's been so consistent, and over the years, he just keeps he just keeps doing it. So he's my number two. All right. Good pick. And also uh, an Athens connection. Yes. Yeah. And like I said, I think he's originally from Nebraska. Yep. Originally from Nebraska. Yep. Went to Georgia, played in OOK. I think he was in another band and then went uh, went solo. Yeah, I think you're right. Great stuff. Uh, yeah. Great pick. All right. You ready for my number two? Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Well, we're going to Milwaukee. 
where Brett sucked all the air out of the room just a little bit ago. Because, you know what? If I would have said punk rock folk before 1983, you wouldn't have a clue what I was talking about. But, of course, Violent Femmes, debut album, hits. Now everyone knows what punk rock folk is. And, of course, the album, just like Brett said, it could double as the greatest album, you know, the best of. Uh, it's got Kiss Off on there, Blister in the Sun, Gone Daddy Gone, added up all those songs. Essential listening for the only three lad podcast in our community but they came out with something a couple years ago during the pandemic for their 40th anniversary it was called added up 1981 to 1993 i think that if you haven't listened to violent femmes in a while it's a good place to go all those songs are on there but of course there's some other things on there that you might kind of find and go wait a second it's not only just the 1983 album but you're right there's not a lot after the 1983 album the debut album but i do remember violent femmes when i first got into radio was one of the very first bands i got to stand on side stage and watch them play and, and i was just blown away thinking you know i remember making out with a girl in 1986 her name was roberta she went to washington high school she was pretty awesome and uh, we were listening to add it up i i you know i got lucky so hopefully that song might have had something to do with it, but not safe for work, right? No, it, no. it's, oh, it's I, no. definitely uh, it goes I mean, past lucky. suggestiveness. Yeah, okay. no, oh, no. I mean, what I mean by get lucky is we talked for hours and hours oh, on that. Yeah, the, and gotcha. we were talking about violent femmes. So. Oh, I thought you had been at the casino. <laughs> nah, <laughs> but I love violent femmes, and damn it, they're number two for me this week. Sorry, I'm a jerk. No, you're not. I, I'm always amazed at how much interesting music comes out of Wisconsin because Wisconsin isn't really known as a music hub, yet there's these interesting bands from the area. I mean, I work with several bands in our studio that had come down from Milwaukee and come to record. And I was always impressed with, wow, where are these? It's really a shame that, that there was no music industry per se in Wisconsin. And I'll, I'll prelude that when, when it comes time for my number one. But, but go ahead, uh, Brett. You're, you're Very cool. Well, 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 do you think maybe it's because of the cold? Like there's just like Seattle, they said it rained. So like when the Seattle stuff broke, everybody's inside playing instruments because it's always there's raining. else to do. Do you think cold maybe in Wisconsin, maybe something in the water, maybe the education system, the beer, people, the beer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, I, yeah. Your guess is as good as mine, but I'm always, I'm always impressed by the variety and the, the quality of things. And even though we can't really count them as a Midwestern band, but talking heads, isn't Jerry, Jerry Harrison's from, from, Waukesha or something. Yeah, Ohio so. or something. I don't. Oh, I thought he's from Wisconsin. I, I don't know. We're yeah, gonna Google I'm, it right now, Jerry. We're, we're gonna we're gonna Google it just because we, we need, need to, to know. At Jinx. Let's see. <laughs> <laughs> Jerry Harrison. Moment of truth. Whoa! Look at that. Jeff gets the gold star of the day. See? Milwaukee. Yeah. Milwaukee. I know yeah. Wisconsin guy. Yeah. Should have guessed. He lo he looks like a Milwaukeean. I yeah, I ran into him at a at a convention i think we were both on different panels and it just you know there was just that kind of very hey how you doing kind of midwestern thing you know we're just yeah. we, we, were, we were sitting at the bar i think he was having an old-fashioned <laughs> old fashions are good too yeah it's woodford yeah. woodford reserve in your old-fashioned that's my recommendation those are the ones with the week. big giant chiseled ice cube right yes Usually. you you can tell how much i know about drinking 
and the I've had exactly zero old fashions in my life. And, mm. and, the, and the maraschino cherry. You know, the, the old fashioned became, uh, for my wife and I, um, something that we discovered during the lockdown, ah. uh, during the pandemic. So and it was like, wow, this is kind of, I've never had brandy before. What's that? <laughs> you know, so it was educational. A lot of people took up drinking during the pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't take it up. I just, uh, you yeah. know expounded on it a little bit <laughs> nah. i usually drink when i'm in vegas and i had a lot of brandy and you've been in vegas a lot lately. yeah the past couple months all right Ooh. all right our top five midwestern bands we are at our number ones 45 minutes we blew through that a long time ago so yeah. we're just gonna hop right into it and uh, stick around because our number ones are next hi everybody this is andy strickland from the chesterfields talking to you from the sunny isle of wight you're listening to Only Three Lads, probably the greatest music podcast on the planet. Cheers. And now from the most recent Shoes album, 2012's Ignition, here's another great Jeff Murphy pen track, The Joke's On You.
We are back. It's the Only Three Lads podcast. Each and every week, we so appreciate you being here talking with us about the golden age of alternative music from 1974 to 1999. Don't forget, we're on Podbean, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, Apple, iHeartRadio app. We're also, just go to Google. Uh, You have a smart speaker. Just say, play the Only Three Lads podcast. And with 132 episodes in the bag, you're going to definitely see us pop up. So we'll keep you busy for a while. Yes. And I don't know if you saw this, Greg, there is a guy who is in, I want to say he's in Spain Mm -hmm. and he has listened to every single one of our episodes over the past couple months while he's on the train going to and from work. Well, wow. That's dedication. And thank you so much. Thank you. Very cool. We had a band um, fly in from Spain. Uh, I worked with in the studio called Insanity Wave um, from from Spain. They were kind of like a uh, again that kind of a material issue um, type, you know, rock pop thing. It's yeah. fun, fun band, fun project. Nice. And that's of course Jeff Murphy from the band Shoes. He's our third lad this week. Yes. We're talking about our top well, five Midwest bands, and we're at number one. Most listeners, if you've been sitting on the train listening to 132 episodes, <laughs> wow. you're not going to be surprised about this one. They got to get on the train at some point. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, you would think. But that's the nice thing about a podcast is that you can just pick it right back up. Okay. I'm going to go to the land of 10,000 lakes, of course, Minnesota, for my mm-hmm. number one band. I know there's a lot of great bands from the Twin Cities area. I would love to mention all of them. I have as definite strong honorable mentions, Husker Du. The Suburbs, Soul Asylum, Suicide Commandos, Golden Smog. But I only have one choice from the state because that's just the the limits that I've placed upon myself. So could it be anybody but the replacements for me? The answer is no, it could not be. So my number one is the replacements. One of the bands that have meant the most to me in my life possibly the last great American rock and roll band. And before anybody gets riled up and comes at me, I'm going to make the distinction between rock and rock and roll. And Paul, Tommy, Bob, and Chris embodied all of the virtues that made rock and roll in its purest form so beautiful. They were reckless, sloppy, irreverent, unpredictable, and they had that wicked Midwest sense of humor and sarcasm which I love. After a couple of rollicking, raucous records of loud, fast rules punk rock that flipped a pretty big bird to just about anyone and everyone, by the time in 1983's Who Nanny, they started to let us in on their dirty little secret. They not only had a heart, but they were great. Paul Westerberg blossomed into the songwriter of rare company, and the Mats began their ascent as college rock darlings with a mind-blowing string of brilliant albums. They followed Hood and Annie up with 1984's Let It Be, still one of the greatest albums ever made by anybody anywhere. 1985 saw the uh, release of Tim, their major label debut. 1987's Pleased to Meet Me was recorded after they excused Bob Stinson from the band for the addictions that ultimately led to his death. His dismissal was really not only symbolic that the band was no longer playing around, but the music contained within the album hinted at that as well. There is sensitive acoustic strumming like Skyway. There is the use of string and horns on Can't Hardly Wait. And then their last two records, uh, 1989's Don't Tell a Soul and 1990's All Shook Down, are maybe a step down from those dizzying heights of the previous records. But what it accomplishes is just kind of bringing the band full circle in this this total maturity 
which I guess wouldn't be a circle, but you know what I mean. Maybe it's a U, but uh, it's kind of the polar opposite of where they started, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And there was really nowhere else for them to go, so they had to break up the band, as we've seen so many times. Save for Paul and Tommy Simpson kind of getting together. You know, I got to see them on their 2014 tour. Great. They released a, an EP in, I think, 2012 for Slim Dunlap. But other than that, you know, the band called it quits while they were on top. They will forever be special in my heart. I love them. Number one, The Replacements. Well done and well informed as well. Thank you. And I have to say, as soon as you said Land of a Thousand Lakes, I, I, I knew where you were. Or 10,000 Lakes. I knew where you were going. Yeah. And you probably know where I'm going with my number one pick as well, is Cheap Trick. That's what I was hoping. I was hoping somebody would. Yeah. We watched them and they were influenced so heavily by them just because we, we knew musically we, we had things in common. We knew that John Lennon influence. We knew the move was an influence. And seeing them in the clubs was really something special because in their early days, they were head and shoulders above everybody else. You could see it immediately that that was so professionally done. And it inspired us to want to play live, even though we were these studio rats. It inspired us to want to be out on stage and play, although we never were going to do the antics that they, I mean, Rick Nielsen came out one night uh, and it was before he had the the baseball cap and the sweater shtick. Yeah. Uh, he came out wearing white socks, jockey briefs, and a white t-shirt. And that was it. And played the whole gig in his underwear. <laughs> and then and wow. then he would take his guitar. You, I mean, and the thing is, he would walk in to, beforehand. You would see him standing in, in a long chair. He, he looked like a school teacher. And then he'd get on stage and he was this maniac. And he would take his guitar. I remember one show... It was a, a like an acoustic drop ceiling over the stage, and he took his guitar and he threw it up, and it. But he would bust out the ceiling tiles with his guitar if he could reach it, and he threw his guitar up through the ceiling, and it stayed there. And and he was just running around in circles, kind of hitting his head, and the guitar is feeding back, and the roadie runs out and hangs another guitar on him. And he plays a few chords on it, and he takes that one, and he throws that one up. And by the end of the song, he had three guitars stuck up in the ceiling. And it was just, it was a riot. You never knew what he was going to do. And it was, that was so much fun. And musically, they were just so, I mean, Xander is, in my opinion, if not the greatest rock singer. I mean, I love his range. He's so consistent. Smokes like a chimney, but yet can <laughs> do, do 300 shows a, a year, or 200 some shows, and still have that voice after 50 years, amazing. Just amazing, and especially when you got a, I mean, a song like He's a Whore, politically not correct to do a lot of what's on that first album these days, but, but yep. yet it was so interesting to us when we saw it even hot love i mean just you never forget that and they still are an influence on us so jeff i gotta ask you this question since you knew rick when he had his five neck guitar were the pickups on the bottom actually were they working they all worked yeah oh really see i always want it's like yeah. he could only reach probably maybe three and you know the thing is the guitar was so heavy and i know that that 
you know, that that's a heavy guitar. Yeah. And he had interchangeable heads for it. Um, the one you see most is, of course, his face with his baseball cap. But he had a, a head a bun as well. You know, their old drum right. bun, Carlos. He had his head that he could insert in there instead of, <laughs> instead of his. So, and, and then the, they, they did that uh, Sergeant Pepper. I don't know if you've seen that DVD where it's them doing yeah. Sergeant Pepper. Really, really cool. I mean, I just still re- really respect those guys. I had um, one of the things, I, I'm actually, I'm wearing the hat that I was, I went down, I'd gotten a call from um, the Abraham Lincoln Presidential Museum and a library and museum, and they were doing a music uh, uh, exhibit. And they asked if shoes would contribute something. So I said, um, I, I offered a couple of different things that I had. And, and I, I had this Hamer guitar, which I had custom made back in 79. And I learned about Hamer from Rick, just seeing what he played on stage. I was like, what is that thing? And so I had one custom made. So I, I let them have that down at the museum. And when they came to pick it up for the, for the exhibit, they said, oh, we're going over to Rick Nielsen's house from here to pick up his. And I said, well, well, say hi for me. And uh, a couple hours later, I, I got a text message and it was a picture of Rick and it was during the lockdown. But so Rick had a, a face mask on and he's holding his two neck guitar and he's, he's waving. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought it was really cool. And so, so both of our guitars were in this, this display, along with a drum head from uh, Material Issue in this wow. display, a, a little section about Midwestern music. Full circle. Yeah, that's incredible. I wonder how Rick's back is doing. Yeah, well, you, you can't, you can't, you can't wear those five neck guitars without having some kind of repercussion somewhere down the line. No, <laughs> got a strong back, maybe, maybe built his yeah. back. I guess started so. when he was young. I guess so. All right, and you're right. Robin Zander is like a force of nature. I mean, just oh, man. he has lost so little, if any, of his range. I know, it's just amazing. Uh, I, I Rick had a T-shirt once, and I don't know. He said. Uh, my lead singer can beat up your lead singer. <laughs> that was great. Say that's pretty true. Yeah. All right. Well, my number one Midwest band has already been talked about. Jeff had a very intelligent pick. There's nothing more that I can add, but I am glad that I learned about Spooner and Firetown because now I'll look into them. But my number one Midwest band, Garbage. Oh, there you go. Yes, I remember when they came out because uh, Butch Fig, he, you know, Nirvana, blah, 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 blah. And then he's coming out with this band and, you know, it's like, oh, great. Like this guy's going to have a good band. You know, you haven't just thought, just a producer. And then, you, of course, then you have Shirley Manson and all that stuff. And uh, I still love their music. I uh, Number one crush, my favorite song from Garbage. stupid girl and you know only happy when it rains oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Love, love that stuff i was working in a studio one day and i got a call and it was bush and he said uh, hey jeff I, I had a question for you could you send me a copy of the contract that you did with uh, material issue he said i'm, I'm doing this band and it's, it's a it's small independent label but it's supposed to be picked up by a major and i don't know how to construct the deal i, I want to get points on the album and I said, well, I, I don't feel comfortable sending you the contract because, you know, it's kind of their property, I guess you'd say. But I can hook you up with my lawyer who, who negotiated it and he can kind of steer you in that direction. You know, who's the band? Uh, Nirvana. Uh, yeah, just, never mind. Okay. And then it comes out on Geffen and the whole thing explodes. And, yeah. and you know, and, every, and then everything Butch touched just was like, you know, Gold. L7, Freedy Johnston, Smashing Pumpkins, uh, Foo Fighters, bang, 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 bang. 
so yeah, I mean, in the nicest guy you'd you'd ever want to meet. I mean, just really, really cool. So well deserved. Well, if you talk to him, um, throw our names out there. Selling, we'll take him anytime. We'll uh, we'll we'll bend to his schedule if he would like to come on. Gary actually talks to him fairly regularly. I, I don't know uh, Butch as well. I mean, I'm obviously because we we had done some things and we would have, we had contact once in a while. He would before they became very successful with their studio, Smart Studios in Madison became really big. They, he, Butch would drive down to our studio because we had a much bigger control room and better monitors, and so he would come down with here. I just recorded this band called Killdozer, you know, yeah. and he would listen listen to the mix in a in our room to get a different perspective on. Well, there you go. Well, I would say we have some great lists. Yes. Yeah. Top cool. five Midwestern bands. Although we did not represent the Dakotas at all. Thanks no. for letting me cheat on that a bit, too. I appreciate it. Oh, no. cheat away. <laughs> you know, we would even believe you if you said that you re-recorded your vocals. <laughs> <laughs> now, aren't you glad you did? <laughs> That's a great story. Oh, suits. All right. Should we run down and summarize our list? Let's do it. Okay. So I had number five shoes although you know again introduction yeah uh number four the embarrassment from kansas number three plastic land from wisconsin number two death from detroit michigan number one the replacements minnesota you know it dawned on me i didn't write this down so i don't remember what well, i said you had big star at number five Big star you had big big, big star five um uh, Niels yes, yep that was four Niels lofgren was in there yep garbage and was three Spooner. garbage was three um Matthew, uh, two Sweet. Was, Matthew Sweet was two, and and Cheap Trick was number one. There we there go. go. We yes. got through this. All right. All right. For me, at number five, Wilco at number, and they were from Chicago, Afghan Wigs from Cincinnati at number four. Material Issue, Chicago Band at number three. From Milwaukee, and Brett doesn't like them at all, but they're Violent Femmes, my number two band. And number one for me this <laughs> week is Garbage. Cool. I didn't say I don't like the Violent Femmes. I, I love the Violent Femmes. I've seen them live many times. I think their first album, like I said, is perfect. Yeah, it is. I think that it was just a case of diminishing returns after that. I would. That's that's all. That, I know it's probably an unpopular opinion, but it might be unpopular, but it's kind of true. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just the way well, thanks, is. guys. This is really a lot of fun. And um, anytime you want to chat, just uh, let me know. We'll do. Oh, we certainly will. Well, definitely. Shall we hit the randomizer, Greg, to uh, hit it? Figure out what we're talking about next week, and we would love for you to tell us stop. Just yell out stop whenever you want, Jeff. Is it running? It is. Stop. We'll have sound effects. We add that in. Oh, that's cool. Oh, that'd be really, yeah, like a big explosion, and like on Batman when it says "bam" across the screen. <laughs> yeah, we like oh, that. Yeah. Bam, 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 bam. All right, Greg. Next week, top five honest songs honest songs what songs are just frank frankfully no i don't even think that's a word are frankly honest uh, you know where i'm going yes yeah, so when you learn okay. how to fake sincerity that's when you made it in the music business if you're a suit so that's honest there you go God, i was i was go. told if you wanted to succeed in the industry you had to learn how to sleep anywhere anytime i think that's made a good that one yeah made, made sense and, and for me, I know I'm not on this next week, but Honest Songs, Lies by the Nick and Knickerbockers is, is an oh, honest, yeah. honest song about lying. It is. It is. It's obviously not going to be the song about your father uh, who was a farmer. No, no. <laughs> lie. That would be a lie. <laughs> that is a lie. <laughs> All right. Well, I've got to say one of the greatest pleasures of doing this show is when we get to hang out with the musicians that we have admired for many, many years. And Shoes is definitely 
one of those bands that have been very important to me for a long time. This has been a true, true thrill. Oh, thank you. I really enjoyed it. It was really fun. Jeff, thank you once again. Learned so much. Uh, Brett, thank you for all the homework that I got to do this week. And just thank you to the community once again for hanging out with us. 132 episodes. Can't believe it. Next week, 133. Yeah, thanks for sticking with us. And on that note, we will wave hello and say goodbye. The theme music is Frequency, written and performed by yours truly, Brett Vargo. Any other music in this episode is presented solely for purposes of review, examination, and news reporting. If you like what you hear, go to your record store and pick up the LP, CD, cassette, or 8-track, or stream it if you're one of those newfangled fancy pants. If we're lucky enough to still have these artists with us, go out and see some live music. For the latest updates, join the O3L community at facebook.com slash only3lads. We want to hear from you. And while you're at it, click on the Shop Now link for the coolest threads. Until next time, thanks for listening. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.